0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Jab, Cross, Hook, a band sided fight show with your hosts Ian McMillan,
1: Amy Kaplan, and Reed Wallach. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Jab Cross Hook. Myself, Amy Kaplan, Reed Wallach here to talk some MMA, some UFC. Uh, we took last week off, so we are back after a week-long hiatus, after a week-long UFC hiatus as well. Uh, so we got a jam-packed show today. I'm going to just talk some general stuff uh, that we kind of missed since we haven't had a show uh, since two weeks ago. Uh, we are going to have on a special guest, Ben Tynan. Heavyweight who fights for LFA, who is fighting on this weekend's LFA card. And then, of course, we are going to have uh, our UFC bet draft for UFC Vegas 55, is it?
2: 56. 56? Uh, that, that was my mistake. I just corrected it. It's 56. 56.
1: I wrote it incorrectly in the tweet, but that's okay. It's uh, I mean, who really keeps track of those
2: anyway? Fans aren't keeping track either. So no, no. UFC
3: on ESPN, UFC on ESPN Plus, this, this, and that. I don't, th- I don't think anyone matters. It matters to anyone?
2: No, no, yeah,
1: no. Uh, the, the, and that is uh, the main event is a heavyweight fight between Alexander Volkov and Yarzino Rosenstruck. Uh So we will end uh, the show with that. But uh, as always, let's start off the show. Uh with what we're drinking. Are you two drinking anything?
2: Yes. I am.
3: We we stay true to the show.
1: <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll make up for it. All right. So, yes, you need to drink two for me. So start with you, Reed. What are you drinking? You just took for a beer from the community fridge again or what? No community fridge. I did stop by the bodega. Bodega man
3: recommendation. Alagosh triple spelt a little interesting. We're gonna triple triple. I don't know. That's a Canadian but... way to spell it. Okay, triple Canadian. Really? No.
1: Okay,
3: <laughs> I actually, I believed you. I totally I do believed you. All right, well let's like go. I have had an alegosh before, so hopefully it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Your typical typical beer. Rated <laughs> out of nothing ten. Special. Nothing special. Rated out of ten. What is it out of ten? Yeah, like a seven point three. So like All above right. average, but like nothing to call home about.
2: Nice. All right,
1: Amy, what are you drinking?
2: Okay, well, I'm not drinking anything alcoholic because I've begun my training to become the best mixed martial artist in the world. So I got to drink water, but I put some uh, energy fizz in it. It's a uh, peach mango flavor. That's it's actually really good. So I'm trying to keep my water intake going, so I'll maybe sipping this throughout. Yes, yeah, so like we pee, are. Gonna... It's not pee, I promise.
1: <laughs> we are going to talk about that in a second. Um... Yeah, so, yeah, when I said I wasn't drinking, I meant I'm not drinking anything alcoholic. So, Reed, you need to have three beers okay. during the show, one for myself, one for Amy. I am drinking. I got, I got a coffee. Um, I got to go to the gym tonight. So, uh, similar vein as Amy. Uh, probably not a good idea to have uh, to, you know, drink liquor and then go to the gym, so. Uh, that, or you just could sweat off the, the beer you drank right away. You know, quick access, get it right off. If I have one beer, I'm not going to the gym and I'm going to be drinking another seven, so. I know myself too well. I'm going to get ahead of that. Um, Yeah, Wednesday night, I usually take that night off. I didn't work out Monday, so my schedule got all screwed up this week. Uh, But speaking of working out, speaking of training, uh, Amy, I think you alluded to it on the last show two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, But since then, you have sent out a tweet making the official announcement. Uh, So give us the details. You are training... Uh, and I think it's going to result in a fight
2: at some point. We'll see. (laughs) That's the goal. Yeah. I'm doing a 20 week intensive training program, five days a week, an hour and a half each day, two UFC level coaches, both have fought in the UFC. Um, yeah, it's, it is so much more intense than I thought it would be, but at the same time, it's also easier than I thought it would be in some aspects, like There were about 40 of us to start. I think there's about 12, 13 now. This is week, third day of week two. I think I wrote a a little bit about it on Fansided, but the main takeaway was that the first week they really just wanted to see who was going to quit. So they pushed us to our limits. Um, I did things I didn't think I could do. One thing that I was like, kind of, it was kind of cool was like they had this little box you could stand on, but it was made like it was stand. So you would like run in place on this box like you were running in the mm-hmm. sand so it's like just little things like that that are like very very hard to do over time um for lengths of time but yeah i've gotten through everything so far i haven't quit yet haven't puked yet there have been a few that have puked i have not so let's hope i keep that string alive
1: <laughs> i i'm a i'm a big puker when i work out too hard i i did uh, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu for a couple of years, and I definitely puked probably four or five times over those two years. So,
2: the key not, is, yeah, the I'm not is, a
1: puker. Uh,
3: Amy, are not you, you, okay,
2: yeah, I did it one time. Um, but the key, and I realized that the difference that one time was I came like later at night after you know you have your whole day of eating and whatever, and it was also really hot at the gym. There was the most people I think I'd ever seen in the gym. We're doing this at 7 a.m. every morning, well, so you know, I just mm. don't eat yet. There's been a couple of the guys that like learned that lesson the hard way. They had breakfast and then went to the gym. You just don't eat, do it early in the morning, get it out of the way. And then you're safer when it comes to puking.
3: And how many people are in this program? Like is it a big group, small group? And you said they wanted to weed people out. work. Yeah. I mean, you?
2: they didn't, they didn't want to weed people out, but they wanted to like, their, their goal was that they wanted to show you, you could do it. Like they wanted to be mm-hmm. really hard on you so that you knew that you could make it. Cause they, they kept saying to us, we want to see you. We want to make you quit, but we know you won't like we want to see you st- make that decision. I'm not going to quit. And there were uh, definitely some times where we're, people were laying on the ground. Like we just didn't think you could do it. Started out at 40 people. I think it's about 13, 14 people now. There's three women. The rest are men varying ages, varying sizes, varying skill levels. And it's just it's really fun. I, I'm so glad I'm doing it. So we'll see if I make it 20 weeks.
1: Yeah, when I when I train Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, I've gotten super good shape cuz it's just a, such a good way to work out too cuz it's better than just running on a treadmill like I'm doing now. I hate my life when I do that. It's it's fun.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, I'm learning something and I'm having fun like being able to use things that you know, I see in fights or I've I've heard like, "Oh, this is how you do a, you know, a guillotine or whatever." So it's like fun, you know, fun stuff. We're doing grappling, we're doing wrestling. Wrestling with something I never really knew how to do, so we did some double leg takedowns yesterday. That was oh. really fun. So yeah, it's been it's been fun. That's so awesome. now
3: going like into this weekend's UFC card. Are are you like potentially going to like look at anything techniques you learned? Obviously at a higher level, but like you know, do you think you're almost getting like a new appreciation for these UFC fighters?
2: I mean, for sure, um, and especially because I know that like, how hard it is for me, and I know they're going 20,000 I am harder than i yeah. am um and i want to die and i know like it's totally different because they they're used to it that's their life but yeah i mean there's definitely some appreciation of like wow i only have to do that one time a day they go into the gym three times a day and do that yeah. you know and probably for three hours each time not an hour and a half so you know this it's definitely it's definitely an eye-opener for sure
1: All right, let's dive into some MMA news here. To be honest, I've been uh, headfirst into the NHL playoffs, so I haven't been as caught up on MMA and UFC stuff the past couple weeks. So uh, fill me in here, Amy. I I understand. I think I actually did see this. There's a KSW. Is it a strongest man guy who fought? Uh, Tee this up for us, and I think we have the clip to watch it as well.
2: Yeah, let's show the clip if we have it ready. That's a scary man.
1: (laughs) Yes. So – so I used to
3: watch the world strongest man like back when I was on like ESPN two, like at like late at night, right before bed, me and my dad would watch it and stuff like that. Marjus Przybylski was a legend of the world's strongest man. I had no idea he was, you know, now in like the MMA world. But yeah, I mean, he is an absolute monster. But like if you want to really learn about this guy, go back and watch his ESPN, you know, World Strongest Man stuff, because he's a legend. I believe he won like five World Strongest Mans or something. I'm gonna look it up while you guys. Talk that's crazy
2: it. because like I didn't actually know he was legitimately world's strongest man like I thought that was just like his nickname I didn't know that he was like legitimately a world's strongest man competitor I guess that makes sense I didn't know a lot about his backstory but yeah he's just he's so scary but he's also like a very nice guy I here like very polite and I don't know but like that's that I I who accepts a fight with a man that looks like that
1: no. The only thing the only thing I could focus on during that clip was: Do those guys have advertisements tattooed on themselves?
2: They have painted, but yeah, yeah. Oh, isn't okay. that crazy! That's that's cool. Like, imagine that in the UFC. Like, well, I don't the UFC know, brooch condom. Be honest, I don't. Somebody, yeah, just he
3: crazy. he won five World Strongest Man's. Oh, so I was right there. Oh two, oh three, two thousand five, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Came in second twice. Was DQ'd once in two thousand four for God knows what. Uh, but Yeah, I mean, this guy's a legend of the world's strongest man. I don't even, I don't know if they still do it, but it was on ESPN all the time, you know, way back
1: when. Also, shout out to the, to uh, KSW, probably the most underrated fight promotion in the world. A lot of like the top East Europeans who fight in the UFC now started their career, professional career, KSW. So I used to watch a little bit of KSW.
2: I would love to go out to Poland and watch a fight. That's where it is, right? I think it's Poland. And I think it's just,
1: I think it's just East Europe. I think some are in Russia. I think some are in Poland. Yeah.
2: Cause I, I, the owner of KSW came out to Vegas a few years back and I interviewed him and we talked for a long, long time and he was just so excited. Like we, at, at that time we talked about maybe going out and seeing some fights and, and covering it out there. And of course the pandemic hit and that turned everything upside down, but I would love to get out there and see that. Cause it, you know, there's every promotion has like their own unique way of doing things. And it's really different to see them all in person, especially just even the way they they work with how they interact with the media too. It's just so different everywhere. I'd love to. I'd love to check that out. That was a packed house. Hmm?
3: That was a packed house. Like people yeah, were like, definitely. that was like a legit show there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Their show always looks really fun.
1: Uh, let's switch over to uh, some UFC news. Uh, not good news out of uh, Brazil, I guess. Paulo Costa el- potentially, allegedly, I should say, uh, elbowed a nurse over a vaccine card. Um, I think people have just kind of brushed it over as just being, oh, that's just classic cost Costa being weird, but also it's, I mean, it's not good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So right. I guess if you haven't heard about it, that the basically the details are that allegedly he went to a mall or shopping center to get the vaccine. They tried to administer the vaccine and he refused it. I don't know if that's true. He refused it, tried to leave with the card that said he had it, and the nurse was trying to say you can't have the card if you didn't get the vaccine his story is that he was leaving and she grabbed his arm and he went back her story is that he elbowed her there was a weird statement put out today from like somebody in his um, legal team or something and the statement made absolutely no sense it didn't clarify anything but it was like we're trying to clarify things that just made things worse so I don't know it's all I think I want I want to believe that maybe there was it was an accident. But yeah, you just never know, Paulo. It's like he's he always o-
3: in—he's always in like random, like stuff like this, like stuff that doesn't really make sense for anyone,
2: right?
1: I'm over Paulo Costa.
3: I'm, yeah, I'm right.
1: Does he have a fight schedule?
2: He does. It was pushed to August. So he had originally had one, I think, in July. Now it's pushed to August, um, not because of the the elbow, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's a fun one. I remember the last uh, media day we were anxiously awaiting to see if he was going to show up on weight you know there was that, obviously that whole weight thing he mm. showed up with a lunch bag carrying his food and we were, we were just like come on i mean it was like a we were, we were joking that he was out having lunch and he came in with like his to go bag so we're like yeah mm. he's just a character he's fun yeah. to have around but i yeah i could give or take
1: yeah uh other ufc news connor and jorge went at it uh i did not see this uh do we have the t- i did not even see this tweet do we have this tweet if we can bring it up because i haven't seen it jorge Mazadal says this P brain is the biggest fight of your life so you're either too scared or too stupid to get this check
2: yeah so it started with connor i don't think he called him a P brain he called him something else close to a P brain basically it was saying like he wasn't gonna fight him and then jorge was like well you you, you're stupid if you don't fight me i i i kind of love the fight i feel like it makes a lot of sense for both of them it would be a a big exciting fight and oh my god imagine the trash talk between the two of them like it would be phenomenal i would love to see that fight
1: i think that's the biggest fight either those guys could make right now the one that makes the most sense because neither neither guy's gonna wrestle the other guy they're both gonna stand up they're probably similar points in their career where they're a little bit past their prime but obviously they still have the pull uh, the only other fight that I think McGregor could do that might be bigger would be the Nate Diaz three, but I, I think Masvidal might even be bigger at this point. So, yeah, um, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I have been saying for the past like year or so that these two should be fighting. So, we'll
3: see. Yeah, they both they both don't really have like a. They're kind of like nomads almost in the UFC. They're kind of like there, but they're not actually there. They're kind of just hanging around. So it makes sense. Like might as well just throw them out there. It's not like yeah, they're be fun. Yeah, it's not like they're necessarily like, contending. I mean, maybe Conor could just throw himself into the lightweight contention because he's connor but like in reality neither of the two are actually you know working towards anything they're just like both like above the sport almost
1: and it'd be a close fight like I, I don't know right now who i would pick to win yeah I yeah, agree. That's,
2: yeah that's something too is like i wouldn't i wouldn't know and i think that's why it's exciting because it's not one of those gimme fights for either one it's it would be a legitimate fight it's not it's not a you know like i don't want to say that Connor and Dustin, again, would be a a gimme fight. But it's definitely one where, like, probably Dustin's going to win. Yeah,
1: no, for sure. But,
2: like, you know, him and and Jorge, it's, like, it's something you haven't seen yet, number one. It's something new. And, yeah, it's it's hard to predict how it would go. We need more of those fights.
3: Going up in class, too, Connor. I know he, like, walks around bigger. But, you know, he's typically a lightweight, was a featherweight. So, you know, this would be a new challenge for
1: him. I, I think it makes a whole ton of sense.
2: Yeah. Come on, Connor, get with the
1: program. <laughs> Reid, who do you, who do you think would win? I'm just quickly trying to see if I can find any, like, cause some, I know some places they'll like set odds for a potential fight. Yeah. So while I'm looking it up really quick, tell me who you think would win.
3: I'd probably take Connor. Just because like, I, I never bought into like the Masvidal, like legit stuff. I never really, I thought he was always kind of like a gimmick more than anything, but like, I guess nowadays, like Connor's kind of a gimmick, right? Like, When's the last time Connor's actually performed well? So I would probably say Connor at first, like first gut feel, like I just said. But like the more I think about it, I I would like, who do you even line as a favorite? Because Mosville, it would probably be at his weight class. He would have the size advantage, but Connor's probably the more complete fighter. Well, if Masvidal knocked him out, that wouldn't surprise me. Again, like Connor
1: hasn't really proven to be anything. Is there like a hypothetical lineup? I couldn't find it. No, there there are some for McGregor. None with Masvidal, though.
2: Well, let's get on that. I would put my money on Masvidal, probably.
1: Okay. I think I'd go McGregor. I think Connor would be favored.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too.
1: It'd be an interesting fight for sure. That's why
2: I put money on Masvidal. You know me and my underdog. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's true. uh all right we are gonna get back to this in a little bit but uh our special guest is in the green room ready to join us ben tynan uh with LFA fighting this weekend against uh Trevor wallace a big heavyweight fight he is one and0 right now in his professional career i'm excited to talk to ben because uh, this will be the first time that we'll have uh, a fellow canadian on the show so i'll get to talk to him about that so are
2: we gonna understand your guys's accents like are you gonna turn into like you know how when you're like in the country that you have the accent right. like your accent gets thicker
1: well his accent's gonna be his accent's gonna be different from mine uh because i understand i think That's he's from true. alberta oh there he is
2: there he is hey, ben kind hey, of hey. joining
1: the show fight this weekend how, how's it going ben how are you ready for this this weekend are you gonna win
0: oh am i going to win you're talking <laughs> to the champ baby yeah i'm gonna win
1: <laughs> i was just saying before he came on uh it's it's if did we still do we do we just lose them? Hold no, I can hear him?
0: Hold on. I'm not with this technology. It's I'm terrible <laughs> if, with the Google go. internet machine. Boom.
1: We can we can see you now. I was just saying yeah. before we brought brought you on, Ben. It's uh it, it's nice to talk to a fellow Canadian. I'm Canadian. You were the first uh, Canadian we've had on the show. So uh welcome <laughs> the first ever uh Canadian fighter on Jab Crosshook.
0: That's right. That's right. What part of Canada are you from?
1: Uh, Nova Scotia. I'm over on the East Coast. Oh, Nova Scotia. Okay. All right. Are you from Alberta? Is it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like northern Alberta, like Fort McMurray. Like very Middle nice. of nowhere. Very <laughs>
1: nice. There's is definitely
0: it
2: the middle a middle of Canada or the left of Canada. That's how I describe Canada.
0: It's west, west. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it, 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 it's
2: left, but not all the
0: way left. Yes. Okay.
2: Left-ish. Left Left-ish. adjacent.
1: Yeah, I definitely definitely know a lot of people from my hometown who moved out to Alberta uh, to work in the oil rigs uh, over there uh, after high school. Um, but you call yourself a American? Are you living in the states now? Did you move there at some point? Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, actually, I'm a dual citizen by birth, so I'm a Canadian by soil and American by blood. So, uh, but I know, tell me, I'm also Canadian by blood. My dad was from Canada and my mom grew up in Hawaii. He kind of met her on vacation and drug her to Canada, which is pretty impressive. So
2: yeah. From Hawaii.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow. That's a big drag.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The guy's got game. So
2: yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And are you, or Ben, I just want to ask you about kind of you're new to the MMA game, you know, obviously 1-0 pro record, you know, several other amateur fights. I want to ask. What's like the one thing you've learned in your short career? Obviously still undefeated, a ton of early finishes. Um, what's like the one thing you've learned that maybe was a little a bit of a surprise to you kind of early on in your career?
0: Um, Well, the hardest thing like that took me a while to kind of adjust to is like just kind of slowing the pace down. Mm-hmm. So like all my years in wrestling, I was always used to just like pushing things, just like pushing, pushing, pushing. <laughs> And just like, uh, being aggressive all the time, but then like kind of in fighting and striking, you know, there, there's times where I got to, you know, stay back, you know, find some openings, you know, pick some shots. And that was kind of like my main focus, uh, when I was training amateur for so long is I didn't want to just be that guy who just dives on the legs and has to get a takedown no matter what, you know, I want mm-hmm. to be more comfortable standing up, you know, and, uh, Getting some knockouts in because those are really fun. So, yeah, you say take
3: your time. You've won every fight in the first round by finish. So, You know, you're still, but you're picking your spots where you're picking them quickly and you're picking them effectively. So credit to you. And you know, 100. Uh, but I love to hear the mentality. Yeah. And
2: you have you have a background in wrestling, correct? Yeah. So when you transition to MMA, is that like I, I noticed you have a lot of amateur fights, which a lot of fighters don't have that many amateur fights like I, I see like they jump so fast like what was the thought process behind that why did you stay amateur so long was it to kind of make sure you were transition fully
0: yeah yeah it was like i was saying i, I want to be more of a complete fighter and i didn't want to just be the guy like yeah just diving on the legs at all costs so uh like My fights end pretty quick, but I kind of like to think I'm not forcing the takedowns. I'm not trying to force the finish. They just kind of come as they come, and I just kind of take it. But I've got a couple knockouts in. I got a couple kickboxing matches in, too, just, you know, putting on the big puffy gloves. I get to play in the ring. Um, Those only lasted one round, too, but they were fun.
1: Now, you fought, you had seven amateur uh, MMA fights uh, all the way, your first one dating all the way back to uh, 2017. So amateur for quite some time, was there a reason why you kind of took your time jumping over to uh, the professional circuit? Was that uh, on purpose or is that just kind of the way things happen?
0: Yeah, I I just want to get comfortable with my striking more. And uh, and then uh, other things came up too. I was kind of a dumbass. I kind of tore my pec. So I had to like that was a, that like took off a year of training essentially. Cause I don't know, I tried to be a tough guy and I was like, ah, it seems fine. And then, you know, five, six months went by and it wasn't fine. So I had to bite the bullet, get surgery on it. And it was like my first major, like I've never like had a surgery or a serious injury before, but I don't know. I kind of, I brought upon myself. So that kind of like definitely put a wrench in my training, but I no, I'm I'm in no rush, really.
2: You yeah, you mentioned too, all of your fights are, I think, all of them first round finish. Is there any anxiety about going into the third round? I mean, even the second round at this point. Like, is there like are you are you hoping for a fight that kind of is a war that you can prove to people, hey, I can do this too? Or are you like, I'm good with just first rounds, get in and out?
0: Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, I, I miss those wars, like. I know winning in one round and like getting like a cool finish is fun and all, but it's not as satisfying, you know, uh, those wrestling days. Like I, I remember there'd be matches where like, I'm about to die and like give up, but I'm like telling myself like, Oh, just keep going, keep going. And then I just feel the other guy just barely break and kind of give up. And I get that win. I get the one takedown. I could barely stand. Oh, it's the best feeling. So I I, I do want a war eventually. Cause those are the most satisfying, but right now, I know it just sounds cool getting quick finishes, so I'll, I'll keep taking them.
3: Yeah, well, what about this weekend, LFA 133 going up against Trevor Wallace? Is this going to be a war or another first-round knockout? How do you see it going?
0: Yeah, first-round finish. <laughs> first-round finish.
2: So a- I want it- I want to know like a lot, you know, LFA is a, is known for being like a feeder league into the UFC. And a lot of times fighters are given sort of like a little hint, like, hey, you win this one and the UFC is waiting for you. Have you been given that hint or have they said, hey, you need three or, have, or are you at that point in your career yet to be talking going into the UFC?
0: Uh, I, I definitely plan on uh, getting it. Uh, I just signed a three fight contract with LFA. So I was hoping to pump out through these three fights within the next year and then by then get a nice flashy 4-0 record and then, yeah, either jump on uh, Uncle Dana's Contender Series or just kind of just wait for my moment. But, yeah, I want want to pump them out quick. I definitely want to be in the big leagues by next year.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the ultimate fighter season that's going on right now is heavyweights – Obviously uh you just had the one professional fight, but if, if that opportunity would have came up to join this season, is that something you would have jumped at, or would you rather get a few more professional fights to get a little bit more experience before making that jump?
0: Oh, I should have been on it. Damn it. I should <laughs> have been on it. Uh, I blame the surgery. The surgery took out like a, a solid year and then I had to like get back into like fighting shape, which took a while. Like that damn surgery. Uh, yeah, no, uh I, I definitely Hopefully, would have loved to be on uh, the Ultimate Fighter. I know I love attention and cameras, so that would have been cool. And I like poking people's buttons, so I don't know I feel like that would have been kind of fun. My uh, my teammate though, he's on uh, the show, and uh, what's the mess. Uh, Zach? Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. He's going to get ticked. But it's like Pulag Pulaga. I think
2: Pagua. I don't know. I know. I know who you're talking about. Zach Pagua? the Ripper, though.
0: Zach yeah. the Ripper. That's yeah. no, my boy. Yeah, we we yeah, train all the time. Has he and, talked to uh, you even, all about what it was like? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I get uh, I get plenty of stories from him and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, Big Mo, uh, he he was training with us for a while too, so I know Mo pretty well. So it's kind of fun watching him on the show. That's but awesome. yeah, I know. Dang it, I know. If only it was like one year behind. Oh, that would have been perfect. But oh well. Uh,
1: I- tell me, tell me about your nickname. Uh, you have here in the stream Big Bad Vanilla or you got Vanilla Thunder I saw online. Uh, What's kind of what was the start of that?
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I I give myself a lot of nicknames. Like most of them I give myself. However, Vanilla Thunder was uh, uh, an old teammate called me Vanilla Thunder all the time uh, back when I was wrestling in college. And I remember like going like, damn, that sounds really cool. And then uh, by the time, you know, I started like you know uh, uh, going to parties and stuff people would always be all like oh what's your name i'd always be that goofball who's all like my name's vanilla thunder and uh they'd always say what's your real name and i'm like it's vanilla mm-hmm. so <laughs> people just start calling me vanilla all the time so i was like oh it's actually kind of cool so yeah if you go to fargo like all the people i like met all my old teammates and friends they only know me as vanilla so yeah. so
2: i saw and maybe i'm not Looking at the right thing, but did you go to Hanford High School?
0: Oh, yeah, the school that outshines the rest.
2: Wait, but Hanford,
0: Home of the Best,
2: Hanford, California. Oh, I lost him.
0: Oh, we
3: up
2: right at the pivotal about this
3: technology. Oh,
2: hey, wait, no,
3: he's working towards getting back.
2: Yep, okay, well. All right. Well,
3: terrible for Ben giving us his time, and now he's just sitting here and just talk about it. He can't join in the conversation.
2: He wants. He wants to talk.
1: (laughs) I don't know if he can hear us. Like
3: sign
2: language. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know sign language.
1: Ben, if you can hear us, give us a nod because maybe you can hear us. Uh, Can can either either of you read lips?
2: No, he's saying goodbye. I think.
1: Yes. Okay. Goodbye.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Unfortunate
1: end, but great interview.
2: Yeah. Dang, I was going to ask about what it feels like to be a 700 favorite.
1: Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. he's a massive favorite this weekend. Probably the that's first it. time he's fought in an event that has betting odds.
2: Oh, that, that's true. Yeah. I wonder what that feels like to like put money on yourself. Well, it didn't I wonder, work out
1: for... Uh, well, I don't ask Eric Anders. Yeah, Eric.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I asked every single fighter about betting just strictly because of this podcast. And also because about 10 minutes before media day, they said that John Morgan wasn't going to be there. And he's always the one that asked the like, you know, normal questions. And so we were all like, Classic. oh, shit, what do we talk about? So I think I feel like I jinxed him there too a little bit.
3: No, I he may jinx himself. Yeah. And he was an underdog for a reason. He, me so. and Ian, uh, we talked about on the show two weeks ago now. I, I wasn't as bullish as uh, Ian was on him. He also, I think, was a little intoxicated
1: from the uh, him saying he's going to bet on himself. Yes, yeah, I got seduced by him saying that. <laughs> um. All right. So, I yeah, I guess uh, uh, it doesn't look like Ben's coming back on. So we'll continue and jump into the draft. A uh, couple of quick topics that we want to jump into, and then and then like I said, we're, and then we'll do the draft. Um, where are we at? Open know. scoring debate. The last fight we, the the last card that happened, uh, we haven't had a show since was uh, Holly Holm in Vieira.
3: Yeah, Catelyn Vieira.
1: Um, close fight. A lot of people thought Holly Holm was robbed, uh, and it brought up the debate that we have seen time and time again about open scoring. Any thoughts on if that would be a good thing, a bad thing?
2: I have thoughts. If
1: Go ahead. I would love to hear them.
2: <laughs> um, I think that there is no downside that i can think of to having open scoring but there's so many things positive that could come of it so i feel like why not i mean mm-hmm. we've already seen it in kansas we've seen, we're seeing it working we're seeing it happening we're seeing that it's we haven't as far as i know there haven't been any issues i think the only thing i saw um a friend of mine on twitter had mentioned that perhaps open scoring could cause um some of the corners or fighters to like get violent which is weird because it's a fight but like violent towards the judges in the middle of the round, and I don't think that's an issue um, because they could be violent at the end of the fight. Like it really it's not going to matter if they're if they get angry at a, at a judge, it's not going to change anything. Um,
1: so right. I, and b- that'd be like the same as any other sport. Like, yeah, players get mad at the referees and they're like, don't get mad at them. Like, you're just going to distract yourself from
2: right. winning. And there's heavy penalties to do anything to a referee as well. And and I don't really know of very many fights nowadays where if anything, where a judge has ever been like accosted after a fight or anything, I think people pretty much know like what they're getting themselves into, but I just don't see any downside to it. So like, why aren't we doing it? It's just old men that don't want to change their ways. Is this what it is?
3: Yeah. I, I think I'm more, I think that there should be open scoring, but almost to an extent, like maybe not publicly recorded, but maybe you have to submit the scores in to maybe like no one knows it, but like, an official scorekeeper or something like I do think like I
2: already do that
3: after each round yes. yeah okay so then maybe I'm just wrong here but like I feel like I agree with kind of the concern that you brought up Amy where it's like people knowing the the fighters knowing the score could influence how the fight is fought which I think that's which the spirit
2: annoying. yeah but that's
3: yeah so that's the spirit and like I do agree with that sentiment It's just that it's kind of getting a little out of control I think it's more on the judges being better
2: I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I agree. Wait, that. It's wait, I don't know
3: if open scoring will necessarily get to the bottom of what we're trying to get No, no
1: the, no, the reason why people bring up open scoring is because they're saying then it's going to force, like, in the last round, if you know that you're down... And you know you're losing, then you're c- going to come out and fight more aggressively. Instead, of, of sport, instead of sometimes, know. which we saw in, in that Holly Holm event, like she fought conservatively and like barely did anything because she thought she was winning. So it just turned it like it's a way to kind of combat boring fights. I think is the well,
2: it, yeah, and it's a it. way it's a way to see how they're scoring because some ju- every judge is going to score differently. That because is I, true. They need to be scoring the same. There, are, there are judges that are going to give more attention to striking and somebody's going to give more attention to jujitsu like that's just how it is and that's not right but that's just how it is and so they can see a- after the first round they're like whoa how did you know like oh that person won well it's probably because they did xxx you know now i know i need i, I need to do xxx as well so I, I yeah i think that like i said there's no downside to it but it's not the end all be all either
3: doesn't it work both ways though like if someone knows that they're losing but someone knows that they're losing, they're going to go forward or something. And if they think they're down, like, two rounds to none, they're going to go forward in the third. Whereas someone thinks they're up or they know that they're down two nothing. Like, to me, it's more like a guessing game. You should just always fight to fight. You know, it kind of goes both ways. If What if the person knew they were up two rounds to nothing? Then they're really not even going to try.
2: Yeah, but that might be the argument against it. That's
3: that's more what I was trying. I just think the spirit – I understand what the spirit of open scoring would do, but I also think that there's, like, the other side, the downside of it, where if it's trying to combat boring fights, I feel like it could almost – Also, bring up other boring fights that it's like the other end. So, I think that there is more there's something to be said for the judging and maybe people knowing the actual scoring, but I don't think the fighters should know the rounds. I think that's kind of where you lose me. Yeah,
1: but also, could you imagine playing an NBA game and and they don't, you don't know the score? It's a secret to the end.
2: Yeah. I think MMA is the only, like, no other
1: sport
3: do you hide the score.
2: Yeah.
1: But
3: don't you think it's more the judges than the actual, than like the process?
2: I think I think well,
3: I, I think that's a, I think
1: that's a completely different topic. Okay.
3: Yeah,
2: but I I think you do agree with me though. One hundred percent, I believe that the judges yeah. are an issue. Yeah. Yes. I didn't uh, see the Holy Home fight either, so I can't say if it was correct or wrong. Um, but I have seen fights where, like, John Jones and Dominic Reyes, where I was certain Dominic Reyes won that fight, and then all oh. of a sudden it's John Jones, and I'm like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. I was on Reyes in that fight too, and I was going to yeah. do a victory lap. Because everyone was telling me I was an idiot for betting. On yeah. that. Um I think Invicta yeah. has tried open scoring though, have they? I'll admit I have not, I they don't are, yeah. Invicta, they have though. been
2: doing it in Kansas. Yeah. Kansas does open scoring.
1: So what's the what has been the kind of result of that? Do people like it or
2: I haven't heard anything negative about it.
1: Have you heard anything positive about it?
2: Yes. I've That's heard right. lots of people talking about how you know how exciting it is to be able to see. I, I haven't talked to any fighters who've who who have you know, oh, who was it? There was somebody on Twitter recently, a fighter who um, posted something about how he lost his fight and it was a terrible decision and blah blah. And he, listen, and I asked him, "Would open scoring have helped you?" And he said, "Yes." So because you would have yeah.
3: known that he was losing and he could go forward and stuff. Yeah, but I just feel like that's a to me that's kind of a lame excuse because like. You've never once in your life fought with open scoring. So, like, why would you ever – you know what I mean? Like, I understand it would help you, but, like, you've been trained and you fought not to, you know? Like, that's just, like, the rules. I think
1: sometimes, though – and I mean, I haven't fought, so I don't know. Uh, Amy, maybe you'll be able to speak to this in a few months. But I think sometimes (laughs) when you're you're in the middle of a fight, literally a fist fight with another human being, if it's the third round, I think there's a part of you that doesn't, like – a voice in the back of the head that's telling you to not get super aggressive. And it's like, oh, we might be winning. Like, you no, know, don't get super aggressive. Whereas if you look at the score and you're like, oh, I am literally losing this fight. If I don't finish it now, I will lose. And it kind of erases that voice in the back of your head saying, oh, maybe the judges haven't scored for me. Maybe I don't need to try that hard.
2: Yeah. But what, if,
1: what if the person was down two rounds?
3: I I don't know.
1: I Listen, that's why it's a debate, right?
2: I'd like to see it tried.
1: You don't have to make yeah. a full switch right away, but try for, for a couple – cards.
2: You I these, think I'm like, trying cards. it is worth
1: a worth a shot. Sure. Like one
3: UFC Fight Night card, give it a but shot, I, see how it goes. And if it goes well, bad, so then it goes bad.
1: The UFC has proven that they don't necessarily like changes because they for as long as I've watched UFC for 10 years, they should have been fixed the gloves to fix eye pokes and they just yeah. don't even change. What about, what about like trying on contender series? Yeah. Once again, the, yeah, sure, but the UFC just yeah, does so say change. you don't really have yeah. to yeah.
3: throw them, like yeah. the high stakes fights, you could try it on like a lower level.
2: But it's not just the UFC, it's actually the commission, really. That because if the commission says this is what we're doing, the UFC doesn't have any say in that. Right. So if it's really the commission, that's it's fair. old. It's old men that don't want to change. Because if they change, it's them admitting that what they were doing before was not right in their brains. That's not that's not the case. But in their brains, I think that's what they are trying to say: is like we're not going to let these young kids come in here and tell us how to do our job.
1: Yeah, it certainly could be part of it. Let's uh, dive into the draft here uh, because we are a little bit behind schedule. I'm excited. I have some good picks. We don't want to go too, too long. So let's let's try the UFC Vegas 56 snake draft. Uh, For those of you watching who are new to this, it is a snake draft. uh, And we draft fighters this weekend using the odds. So um, when a fighter is drafted, they are no longer eligible to be picked by anyone else in the draft. We do three picks each. And then at the end of the card, whoever finishes up the most units using the betting odds for each fight wins. uh, And it's a snake draft. So whoever goes first goes one, two, three, and then three, two, one, one, two, three. Last time we did a show was uh, just myself and Reed, I believe. So Amy, it's actually been a while, like three weeks now since you've been on a show technically. Yeah. With no show last week. Yeah. we don't need to recap it too much because I think I went zero and three, so we don't need to dive into that. But uh, and I and went I, one and two, one and two, so <laughs> a couple of losers on that card. But uh, you were the l- smaller loser between me and you, so you get to pick the draft order.
3: Yeah, uh, kind of in between. two. you know, I'll go third. I'll let Amy go first. Ian, you could go second. I'll I'll take the snake, so I'll go back to back picks. Okay. Well, I see where you guys are thinking first because I. I'm a little uh, all over the place this week.
1: All right, so let's dive into it. Uh, UFC Vegas 56 snake draft. Amy, you're officially on the clock.
2: Hey, so I am very happy that I got to go first because I was sure that this one was going to be the first one that we all picked. It is our – what was I think it was our first or second first guest.
3: First member. First guest member.
2: Yeah, and he killed it. It's got to be Jeff Molina. Come on. Duh.
3: That was honestly that was why I was gonna probably pick first. I wanted Jeff, but considerable favorite, so I laid off of it. But
1: friend of the program, big well, not big favorite, but favorite. He should win, of course. He was gonna go first overall. No matter who was gonna pick first, he was gonna be taken
3: first. Yeah,
2: that's why I was was very glad that I got to go first. That was that was a no brainer. I
3: I love Jeff. Like I think he's a lock this week, and I'm a bit. uh, I will be on him. Maybe straight all light with him, but like definitely in parlays and stuff. I Zuma a I just like don't think he could like where's he gonna win this fight.
1: Yes. No I agree. Bias aside, I still think Jeff Molina's a good bet this weekend.
3: Yeah, I agree. And that's
1: um, my That was an obvious first pick. Yeah, there's a little peak. Uh we saw a peak there at the odds for I think just the prelims, I believe. Prelims. Um yeah. all right, Jeff Molina off the board. Um that brings it to me. Which way do I want to go here? But let's jump right to the main event, shall we? Uh, sorry, producers, I've once again forgotten to type in my pick. Uh, it seems like we all do that on our first pick of the draft. I apologize. I did uh, Well done. Three weeks away from the draft and you still yeah, remember it's, it's to type in a, your pick. I have forgot uh, like two of the three at least. I'm gonna go Jarzino Rosenstruck plus 140 against Alexander Volkov in the main event. I'm gonna go with the underdog. Uh it's a heavyweight fight. Usually I mean it's a general strategy of just in a big heavyweight fight that's close, take the guy who can not who can knock the other guy out. I mean, he is two and three in his last five fights. So I think we're actually getting value on him because of that. Uh but the three guys he lost to were, I think, inarguably the top three heavyweights in the division. Francis Ngannou, the champion, Cyril Gone, and Curtis Blade. So uh, I think those would be the top three heavyweights, unless I'm forgetting someone, but he's two and three. But like I said, against the three loss against the top three guys, uh, he has 12 wins in his professional MMA career. 11 of them uh, have come via knockout. Uh, and Volkov at times is susceptible to get, to get touched in this fight. If you just get touched by Rosenstruck, uh, that could be the end of it. So, um, And Volk, uh, he has knockouts on guys who are a little bit more closer to Volkov's level. He has Tico Tico wins over Augusto Sakai, Junior Dos Santos, Alistair Overeem. Like, he's knocked out some big-name guys. So, I'll take Rosenstruck as an underdog here.
2: Are you concerned at all about the size? Because that was something that we kind of touched on at Media Day about how much bigger, oh my gosh, Alexander is. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Because, like, when you're heavyweight, it's rare to have somebody that's, like, much, much bigger than you. But he is, like, considerably bigger. He mentioned bringing in some people to kind of mimic him, so he's not doesn't seem concerned about it, but I'm wondering if that's something you thought about at all when making your pick.
1: No. Bigger they are, the harder they fall. Alrighty. Or, more realistically, bigger they are, the quicker they get tired sometimes. What? I don't know if that, 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 that doesn't necessarily work for Volkov, but... Uh, yeah, because
2: he's not, like, fat. He's t- Right. Tall. Uh, no, it does about, not. Like,
1: let's, like,
3: slow down on the UFC heavyweight main events. Like, I just mm. – these fights just don't do it for me. Like, a pay-per-view sure when you get, like, the elite of the elite. But, like, why does every heavyweight top ten matchup have to be a main event? Knockout you know, like, itself. And, like, what sometimes they're just, like, staring contests for 25 minutes. That's the issue. If it's not a knockout, they're usually
1: pretty boring that,
3: Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, if you get, like, a featherweight, lightweight matchup, you get – like, at least you get an action. That's just how I see it.
1: I don't necessarily disagree with that opinion.
3: Heavyweight's well, the little sell,
1: though. Even just the yeah, word oh, heavyweight, people, they, like, oh, people, yeah. people are like, oh, yeah.
3: People attract, like, they're always, like, their eyes attract, like, the bigger guys going at it and stuff like that. And they always think it's more intriguing. So That's always,
1: and this is a whole separate conversation I could go on about, but that's a big reason why some of the lighter, lighter weight classes, like flyweight and bantamweight, actually, like, have issues kind of marketing themselves and selling tickets because idiots, and I don't agree with this, but idiots will see guys who are, like, five foot six and be like, oh, yeah, I don't need sure. those guys. Whereas I mean, you look at you. you can't say that looking at a guy who's six foot three and two hundred exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, this pounds. guy is a monster. Yeah. Right. So there is that kind of image that uh, does does unfortunately play a role in it as well. Yeah, totally.
3: But I got my two picks in. I'll all right make assurance. So I got one favorite, one underdog on my snake. So first, we'll do the favorite. Um, Ode Osborne uh, will be my first pick. This is just a complete mismatch, in my opinion. Osborne, he's lost to. Fighters better than him, like Manuel Cappé, but he's being up on the lesser competition. He has eight inches of reach against his opponent. Um, uh, Adeshev's only win was against Ryan Benoit at the UFC. Benoit's lost six of eight, so that's not like an impressive win to me where Osborne, he has the experience at the UFC. He has a significant reach advantage. I just think that this is going to be an easy win. Similar to the Jeff Molina pick. Um, I'll go with Ode Osborne as you know a pretty considerable favorite. I think that you know there's just not a lot of avenues for Adeshev to get a victory
1: here. As Ian um, I is talking to his cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, re- I, I at the messaging thing. I usually we use the message the producers. I don't have on this computer, so I had to whip on my laptop so I could Okay, got it. it. <laughs>
2: um, I would I actually have Ode on my uh, my list as well. I think that was a good pick. He he at media day he seemed like. He kept kind of saying, like, he's a new man. He's a new man. He he talked about how he had a coach that died and he was able to kind of work through that. And he says that he feels like he has a lot of weight lifted from his shoulders and he feels like he's ready to have fun again. And I feel like that's kind of a dangerous mindset to have.
3: I always love Amy will, like, come in with, like, analysis of the pick. with, like, yeah, I just saw these guys, like, six hours ago. They told me, like, that, this, this, and that. I'm, like, all right, great. Like, thank you.
2: You <laughs> guys, I, I just know. have to say I asked um, Dan Ige if he's ever pooped in his bed because we were interviewing him in the middle of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp <laughs> And it was just on my mind. And I, like, legitimately asked him if he'd ever pooped his bed.
0: Did and you preface listen.
2: the
3: question with what like about the Jidep situation well, somebody or? Somebody had you just,
2: just a- "Yeah, somebody had oh. just asked if he'd been watching and like what he thought of it." And so then I was just, but I literally had I didn't ask anything at all. Media day, that's, that's like, literally the only thing I asked. So.
3: What he said? He, has he ever? He said about no, it?
2: and he said his wife has not either. So okay, they're a very well-adjusted
1: couple. Shout out, Mrs. E. Guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's bring up the round one graphic. Quick little recap of the first round. Um I think two favorites, and one underdog. Amy took, of course, the the who the guy who was always going to be the number one overall pick, uh dear near and dear to our hearts, Jeff Molina minus one eighty five. I went to the main event, took Jair Rosenstroke plus one forty. And then Reed coming with Ode Osborne minus 195. So, some sizable favorites from you two, uh, yeah. especially Amy, who, of course, uh, we all love Jeff Molina, but Amy, this goes against your usual strategy of picking underdogs. So, we'll see what happens there. Uh, before Don't we get worry. your. Don't worry. You'll... Don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, before we do get to your next pick, uh, Reed, I do want to shout out Serial Chiller in the chat, who brought the, I think, put this in when we were uh, interviewing Ben. Uh, Dustin Jacoby, lock him in. Uh, Obviously still available on the board. None of us have taken him. We will see if anyone takes him. Um, So there you go. Dustin Jacoby. Is he fighting this weekend? Why am I not seeing that? He's not. I was like looking and
2: I was like, hmm. Lock him in. Unless he's like a a late. Maybe they think we're doing, I don't know. Let's see what he's fighting next. He just fought, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I think he may have lost time. I don't even remember. He fought on the prelims of one card. He's scheduled to fight July 16th at, on UFC on ABC2 against Daeun Jung. So we're locking him in a month early. early. Right. <laughs> get in before, get some CLV with you. Take yeah. him
3: now a month that's a month be out.
2: Burner account, probably. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm that's born great. like, Let's get my name in
1: here. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I saw that. And I just assumed he was fighting. But then, as I, I was saying, too, I was too, like, like oh, I don't remember seeing his wait. name. <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh Reed, let's start off with the second round who's your second overall pick
3: yeah i'm gonna go backwards i'm gonna go on the prelims this time uh nicholas Stolz. stoltz we'll see how i spell it but yeah um kind of think we're getting good value here on stoltz he's lost his last two fights against a superior grappler in the first one then he was knocked out by jared Gooden in like two minutes i watched the fight just got tagged wasn't like a beat down or anything. He just got caught and, you know, good and kind of pounced on him. So I'm not going to like overreact or anything. Guy's facing Benoit St. Dennis. Don't know why he's a favorite. He deserves nothing. He got, I mean, with all due respect, you guys handed him. What was that?
2: You you just said he deserves nothing.
3: Yeah. I, like, I mean, he got his he got his ass kicked his last time out against uh, Dos Santos. People were calling for the fight to, you know, be called early. Ended up losing my decision. Not sure why he's a favorite. I just think that Stoltz is more I think he has a grappling advantage. I kind of like Stoltz here. I think, you know, bigger fighter has um 2 inches of reach cable grappler. I like him as an underdog. All
1: right. We'll see about that. Are
3: you going to are you going to take Saint Denis now like back at, right right after this?
1: No, not right now at least. We'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> in the final round. Um but I'm going to go with uh in Let's hear how I pronounce this last name. And this is the last name I've heard a million times. So I've never been able to figure it out. Karolina Kuvich Kowal That's
2: how I say it.
3: Sounds Close
1: like enough. sounds like an like a
3: Australian like like creature in the forest.
2: Yes. Like an or, evil.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or a Polish I, UFC fighter. <laughs>
2: Uh, Koala Kavich I don't
1: know. Good enough for me. Uh, she is a slight underdog, plus 100 against Felice Herrig. This is actually a rematch of a fight that happened back in 2018. Carolina won this fight via split decision, uh, and she outstruck Herrig by final count of 126 to 86. So outstruck her by 40, won the fight, but is now an underdog four years later. Uh, I think why she's an underdog is because Carolina has gone 0-5 since that win. Not a great st- stretch, but to be fair, much like Rosenstroke, she's fought much better competition during that stretch. Um, and also, uh, Felice Harry, this is the first time that she is fighting since 2020 or 2019. So it's been a couple years uh, since she's fought as well. But, I mean, rematch fights, I've talked about this before. Um, I've looked into it. It is a long-term, profitable betting strategy. To bet on the winner of the first fight when two fighters have a rematch. So I'm just going to follow that strategy again. Uh, Karolina Kowal- Kolakavice plus 100.
2: Is yeah, I, I don't have a I
3: don't have a strong opinion on this one, so I'll defer to right. you. No, but I know you've told me about that strategy; it's paid off. So I kind of you know blindly I like that.
1: All right, sounds good, Amy. Bring home round two. Who do you got for your second
2: pick? Okay, well, you mentioned I like my underdogs. Yes. I believe I'm going with the biggest underdog Oh. card, Dan Argetta. He is a tough veteran, LFA champion, taking the fight on five days' notice, I believe. Plus Here's
1: four ten.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: Here's why I'm taking him. Maybe
3: like to just like go for one try and win. Yeah, the whole just thing go for the kill fight. shot in one yeah.
1: fight.
2: Yeah, kill shot, kill shot. That's going to be my fight name, Amy Killshot Kaplan. <gasps> Ooh,
1: I like that a lot. <laughs> I like
2: it. Okay, sorry. Um, He is coached by one of my former trainers from way back when, who also was Tony Ferguson's coach for many years from, I believe, tough until right about the time he won the interim title, and then he kind of went downhill after that. He left that coach at the same time that he went downhill. I'm just saying.
0: This guy
2: has a good team behind his back. He is confident. That's one thing I think that, I mean, you have like guys that I feel like are confident and then there's cocky and then there's like pretend confident. He is confident. He is talented. And I don't know. I just, I believe in him and I'm surprised to see him as such a big underdog. I know it's because of the short notice. I'm sure he's, you know, he's undefeated. I think his only loss is that in tough, which doesn't technically count. Um, yeah, I think he should not be as I I think he should be an underdog because of the short notice, but not as big of an underdog as he is. So Yeah, I'm that's uh a... whole money on him too. Oh. I'm putting my money where my mouth is.
1: Yeah. All right. I like it plus four ten. I mean, I I I don't have too much to say about that. I respect it. I respect the, the shot. Reed, do you have any thoughts on that? Good handicap with like the coaching. I can
3: you know can't hate on that. I mean, listen, you're taking a guy plus four ten, you're you don't have to expect much, you know what I mean? Like things happen, so I'm with it. Yep. I hope uh, for your uh, sake, though, that, that Amy doesn't win on one like,
1: because I'm pretty sure yeah. it's to
3: be over. Draft would yeah.
1: end right there, but yeah, I think go three and zero, and I'd probably still not be able to. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: maybe it'd be close. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's bring up the recap graphic uh, after round two. Uh, Read on back on an underdog Stoltz Stolze Stoltz Stolz, plus one thirty. Uh, I will try to pronounce his name one more time: Koval Kuvich plus 100, and then an Argetta? Yeah. Uh, plus 410. Amy made up for taking a minus 180 favor to take the biggest underdog, and yes, I did double-check, uh, the biggest uh, yes, biggest underdog on the board um, in this card. So there you go. Let's dive into the third and final round. It's a snake draft. Amy, you have uh, the first pick of the last round.
2: And my underdogs keep rolling in. I am going with yet another Dan. Going with Dan doesn't poop the bed, Ige.
1: Oh my god, the underdogs.
2: Yeah, I just feel like there's, I don't know, I think it's time for him to, like, prove what we all think and know of him, but he hasn't quite shown. He is, I don't know, I just put, I I put a lot of emphasis on him. I'm surprised he's this big of an underdog. There was quite a bit of, um, there was quite a bit of controversy about his opponent, I believe it's I hope I'm saying I'm hope I'm throwing the right guy under the bus. There was a guy, ooh, no I'm not sure. There was a guy who had like a cooked uh record on this card. I believe that's his opponent. Um so I do no, just, I think
3: it's mo- most relevant he's facing uh Alonzo Manyfield.
2: Okay. Then scratch that. But yeah that we should have talked about that guy though. Yeah. But um yeah I just I don't know. There's something in me that's I, I just I gotta I got my Dan's today. This is my Dan, my Dan card. So I got two Dan's.
1: Big underdog, bold strategy. Uh, I don't hate it. I thought about taking Danny Gay, but uh, yeah, um, this is this is tough. like I feel like the type of uh, uh,
3: time you want to bet on Danny Gay, like when he's like a big, big underdog, he has knockout power yeah. and stuff like that.
2: Like he's lost,
3: lost the last few fights against a pretty elite competition as like near favorite, slight underdog, you know, moderate favorite. Now he's like a huge dog against um. And Iloviv definitely said that wrong. But, you know, that's a big price for uh, someone who was only a minus 200 favorite in his last fight against Hakeem who I think Dan Ige is maybe a little bit better. So I think I I might bet on Dan Ige myself.
1: He was on my board. Uh, I'm not going to bet on Dan Ige. My issue with him in this fight is that uh, his wrestling, is of lowev guy, uh, averages like over four takedowns a fight. Uh, I think he took down Hakeem DeWudu like nine times or seven times or something in his last fight. And Dan Ike doesn't exactly have the best wrestling defense in the world. So I think that's mm-hmm. why it's a steep price. But if, if he can defend the takedown, he has he has a real chance to win this fight. Just, I don't know if he can.
2: I feel like it, since I asked him about poop, I have to like put him yeah. on board, You, you know? like, this is my apology. If you're watching Dan for my inappropriate question, you are now on my board. Don't lose. <laughs>
1: Um, all right my final pick uh, we are going to talk about this fight that you' were alluding to earlier um, I'm taking Alonzo Minifield minus 175 against Askar, Askar Um, it's funny that you said that this uh, Maskarov guy has a cooked record because I didn't even know that that was like a rumor going around but I looked into his record and here right here in my notes I wrote down like are we sure that this guy belongs in the UFC he's 21 and 11. And his last three wins have come against absolute tomato cans. Uh, Their records are one guy had a losing record of 20 and 24, and then a 5-1 and guy and a 14-10 and guy. Uh, And the last time that this guy, this Askar guy, fought in North America was for a Titan FC event, and he lost via first-round TKO against a guy who's now 15 and 12. Like, why is this guy in the UFC? Like, this guy does not seem good. Usually when they bring these guys, especially from, like, international, like, from, like... Russia and from these other countries, like they're undefeated, or they only have a couple losses, or are on this massive win streak. This guy who's twenty-one and eleven is only on a three-fight win streak, and those fights have been against tomato cans. And he's the only time he's fought in North America, he got his ass kicked. I don't get it.
2: Yeah, there's definitely something fishy going on for sure. Uh, there was a if you look on SureDog, Jay Perry, Jay Petty, sorry, I think it's Jay Petty wrote a a piece really in depth about it um jay is one of the guys that's in charge of the keeping track of all people's records and he has i mean so much evidence about him and teammates and coaches and managers sending him or sending sure information to try to change things and i guess he changed his name at one point to kind of get like almost a whole new record sort of start fresh um he he did kind of address it at media day in a roundabout way, sort of just saying, "Oh, I sh- I fought in China and I didn't. I don't know." And this, it's it's fishy. I I, I gotta believe that somebody's doing someone a favor by putting him in there. That's so all you I also
3: think, think. Metafield's gonna? Because like Meta might not be like a contender or anything, but like guy could knock people out real quick. I you know, Amy, you would say that like he's probably way overqualified to face this guy.
2: I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. I can't safely say that. I didn't take a good look at who he on record has fought, but even who it, on record he's fought, I'm I'm like, did he really fight that person? Yeah. Because the, it sounds like, you know, they were sending, Sherdog was saying that they were sending photographs of different people pretending to be him saying, oh, this win was his and it wasn't his. And it's like, So I don't know if any of the fights on his record are accurate. So I want to see this fight, which is why I stayed away from this fight. I want to see how he fights. And from there, that's his record to me. How he performs from here on out. Because there's no way you can cook anything from here on out.
1: Yeah, something ain't right. I'll take Minifield. Only minus 175, too. And I might place a very large bet on it, too. (laughs) We'll see. But also, last time I placed a large bet. When was that? What what fighter was that? I forget who it was. Um, Um... one I made the, like a like a five unit player or something in a long one of the room. women fighters on like yeah, a prelims of a pay per view. Yeah, it was tough. So maybe I should <laughs> do that again. Uh, but I'll go uh, go ahead, Reed. Uh, bring us home your final pick of the draft. Yeah, last one. Another prelim underdog, Johnny
3: Munoz uh, going up against Tony Graverly. Uh, I just think this is a bad matchup for Graverly. If it goes to the decision, maybe it's Graverly's fight. Maybe that's why he's favored. But if you look at this specific matchup, Munoz is a Brazilian Jitsu. Jiu Jitsu world champion. Um, he's 11 and one of seven submissions. Graverly, he's five submission losses. So if this hits the mat, I think that Munoz is going to look like a big favorite here. Um, you know, I just think, you know, if he could get a submission, I'll take him as a small underdog. Why not? And it seems like the lines makers, you know, Graverly was minus 200s last time out. Now he's only minus 135 against Munoz. Seems like odds makers are kind of respecting Munoz. I respect Munoz. I'm going to take him. Plus 110, sorry, not plus 115.
1: But yeah, it's my last pick. I have no opinion on that fight, Amy. <laughs> do you have anything to add?
2: I don't know. Were they, they at media day today? I'm sorry?
1: Were either of them at media day today?
2: No, just main card. Yeah, okay. so he's uh, not on the main card, right?
1: No. No, they're prelims.
2: Yeah.
1: All right, so that wraps up the draft. Let's uh, bring up the final graphic here to recap everyone's picks. Amy going Jeff Molina, Dan argetta Dan Ige. A couple of massive, massive underdogs on Amy's card. Uh I'm going with uh two underdogs and a favorite, Rosa Struke, plus one forty, Kowal Kuvic, Kal Kavich, Kwal Kwalkovich yes i actually that sounds right i think that's yeah,
2: right. yeah uh
1: plus 100 and then minifield minus 175 because the guy who potentially might have a coked record uh and then reed Wallace going ode osborne minus 195 following up with 200 dogs stolt 130 <laughs> munos plus 110. all right final thoughts shout out I to ben thank you thank you for ben for coming on the show even though uh, we lost his audio there I uh, was say,
2: he just messaged me said i appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity sorry about the technical difficulties Obviously, I told him it's no big deal. And I said, was it Hanford, California? We'll see if he replies back before the end of the stream. <laughs> you're
1: all... The mystery I mean, that's keeping everyone on the edge of their seats.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, maybe we'll have, we'll have him back on the show uh, someday when he makes the UFC here in a year. Yeah. Going to go 3-0 on his uh, LFA contract, make the UFC, we'll have him back on.
2: I predict he's not going all three fights. <laughs> not I as a head gonna... He wins this fight, especially in the first round. I think Dana's yanking his ass. Over to the
1: UFC. only two professional fights, so you don't normally. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen
2: heavyweight. That. Heavyweight. we
1: were just talking about heavyweights.
2: it. Heavyweights. They need heavyweights. All right. I mean, maybe not because of tough, but I think, yeah, I don't think All it's right.
1: going free. Uh, Reed, any final thoughts? No, just happy we could get a show and
3: get a draft in, and you know, give me something to bet on on Saturday. It's yes. Typically, how my
1: schedule works, like what, what I'm betting on this day and that day. And as we enter the dog days of summer, it is full on UFC season. Oh yeah, for us. Uh, obviously, the NHL and NBA will wrap up here in the next couple weeks, and then it's uh, full on UFC. So I'm excited for that big card here. I don't think it's is it next weekend is a big pay per view. I think it is. Yes, yes. two title fights. Um, the return and of Yuarna and J Check.
2: The card this week is in the morning. I believe 9 a.m. Pacific time start time, something like that. What? Um, make sure you guys wake Bye. up early. Yeah, I have, your be-
3: have your bets in, uh, you know, night before you don't want to oversleep on those.
1: What, why, yeah, it is early. Why is it early? I did not know that
2: they do that every now and again. And it, personally, I love it when they do that because then they can actually go out on a Saturday night. Uh, I won't actually be at this card, I have to go out of town, but I will be at media day and I'll be streaming that if you guys want to check in, um, tomorrow, no, Friday for that. Yeah, love it. I love early morning cards.
1: Uh, did he did Ben respond?
2: No, and I'm like sitting here, he hasn't read it, he's left me on un- unread at the moment.
1: The mystery will remain unsolved. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out the answer. Tune in next week to find <laughs> out if he went to this random high school in California. <laughs> uh, all right, that's our show. Thank you all for tuning in. Like, subscribe if you're watching it on YouTube and all that good stuff. Uh, good luck with your picks this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week for UFC
2: 275 56 Oh,
1: 56. No. Uh, no, wait, it's wait, not. wait, what? 275.
3: 275.
2: I got it, right? UFC Two, Vegas. I was like, what? Sorry. I, I,
1: 275 I next week. Tune in next week, and I said it right the first time, for UFC 275. It's a stacked, stacked card. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Good luck.